Jeannie O'Connor, and it's my pleasure to introduce the females on our Women in Business panel. We had a couple of last-minute cancellations. Um, neither Diana McCarthy or Debbie Sacito could make it, but we do have Julia Rinlob and Michelle Easton um, as a last-minute fill-in. So I appreciate Michelle filling in. Uh, Julia Rinlob graduated from Claremont Maqueda with a dual degree in political science and history and has her master's in civil engineering from the University of Washington in supply chain transportation and logistics. And I'm sure Julia will be able to explain that to all of us. Um, she has worked for Expeditors International for 10 years in a variety of positions. Michelle Easton, president of the Claire Booth Luce Policy Institute, started the foremost conservative women's group in 1993. Prior to starting the Institute, Michelle spent 12 years in the Reagan and Bush administrations working seven of the 12 years in the U.S. Department of Education trying to abolish that federal agency like President Reagan wanted to. She also served as the Virginia um, as the president of the Virginia State Board of Education under Governor George Allen. She has a BA in psychology from Briarcliff College, which makes her understand all of our little nuances at work, her psychology background. And she has a law degree from American University's Washington School of Law. Please help me welcome these two women to our panel. Do you want to stand up here, Michelle, and talk, or stay there? Do you want to go first? Sure. Should I go up there? Whichever you prefer. Stay here. Is this on? I think so. Can you hear me? It's on. Okay. All right. So I'm excited to be here. So as I get started, who here has heard of supply chain? Oh, wow. Is anybody a supply chain major, or? You are? Oh, no. Oh. My, my father is. Your father is. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've been working for a company called Expeditors International for about 10 years now. It's a Fortune 500 company. They have offices in 80 different countries, about 18,000 person company. And it's been an absolutely incredible experience. And it's something that as I look at women in business, I've had so many different opportunities and I just wanted to share some of what I've learned along the way. So I currently manage our account management program. So I manage eight different account managers and I also manage our business process group as well. And so within that, we work with companies of all different sizes. So with supply chain, end to end, everything moves via supply chain, right? This got here, this paper is here, it was purchased by somebody, it was harvested, went on a truck, maybe it went on a boat, it cleared customs, and now here it is today. So supply chain touches every single thing that you look at, everything that you feel um, from all the, the fixtures that went into this place to, again, something as simple as a piece of paper. Um, and so some of the accounts that we manage, um, Nike, Daimler, Intel, some of these really large accounts, and it's just been a very fascinating experience. And with that, I have the opportunity to mentor a lot of young women. And the three things I've always talked to them about that I see, especially as they come into the business world, is their looking at what it takes to be a leader, right? And I currently teach a leadership class within my group, and one of the things that we always talk about is, and I think being here today, I guess a lot of you are leaders already, but to take that first step and to become a leader is a risk. And so we always talk about that. They don't necessarily 
envision themselves as a leader. And so we always say, if you want to be a leader, just envision yourself at it, and then you can start that process and figure out the skills along the way. The second thing um, is advocate for your career. And that's something that I think, especially as you start out, you're not necessarily asking, what can I do next? What is the next step? Um, that's something still to this day, people say, what do you want to be? And I've always been really, really open, but I hear a lot of the men especially say, oh, I want to be district manager. I want to be the vice president. And so that's something that you want to know, see where you want to go, figure out what the steps are, and think you can be that person, right? And I think as more and more women move up, I think it's something that envision yourself in those positions. And the last thing is say yes to challenging experiences. Um, so within my role at Expeditors, I've been within our management training program. At 26, I managed our customs brokerage department, which is clearing imports into the US. So I was the youngest person, um, and I had a team of about 20 people. I didn't really know too much about it, but somehow I managed to effectively work with them. After that, I was our customer solutions manager, which means that I traveled all up and down the West Coast in Mexico, which was an absolutely fabulous experience. And first time, I grew up abroad, so traveling internationally was not a big deal, but the first time going to Mexico City, you know, I was sitting there and sitting by a bunch of gentlemen that were going there too, and they said, oh, you're going to Mexico City. What security firm do you guys have? You know, I was like, uh, I'm just getting picked up at our office by some of my coworkers. But it was such a wonderful experience. I loved Mexico City. And I was always willing to take those risks within reason. And I always found it to be just a great experience. And it just added so much to my work and my career at Expeditors. And so those three things I always really felt like helped out was say yes to leadership opportunities, say yes to leadership challenges, advocate for your career. Um, advocate for pay, you know, they talk about the wage gap, but I also see a lot of women come in and they're not necessarily saying, hey, how can I get that next raise, right? So advocate for that. And lastly, just say yes to those challenging experiences. Good. Thank you, Julia. Now, Michelle. Well, you know, I don't think of myself as a businesswoman um, because the Institute is policy and mentoring and promoting conservative women, but I did found it and it is a small business a nonprofit, so I'm gonna to try to give you some insights. I'm a last minute fill-in, um, but uh, I'm happy to, to share what I, what I know about it and some advice uh, on what I've found to be important as a small businesswoman. Now, how did I become a, a policy entrepreneur? How did I found the Institute? Well, I was working for President George Bush, the first uh, Bush in 92, and he was just about to get beaten by Bill Clinton. And uh, so a career change was uh, in, in the works for me. I had been there for 12 years, working for first eight years for President Reagan and then four years for President Bush. Um, and I'd gotten an undergraduate degree in developmental psychology, which uh, certified me to teach elementary school, which I did briefly. But uh, you know, my heart really wasn't in it. God bless the good, uh, the good school teacher. So I came to Washington and uh, started answering the phone at YAF. My first job was Young Americans for Freedom. Back then it was YAF, now it's the foundation. Um, and my father was, oh my gosh, we spent all that money and you're answering the phone. But, but what he didn't understand was that was such a great place to start in an organization. You may not feel that way, but the one who answers the phone really learns a lot about the organization. Who has the titles 
And who really decides things? How things work? And if you want to advance in an organization, it's really not a bad job to have. And if you're in a good place, you'll soon advance yourself uh, out of the phone, as I did. And I put myself through law school at night uh, during that, and then I went to a national right to work. So I was an attorney with a licensed practice law, um, and I admire good lawyers. We need good lawyers. People hate lawyers all the time, and I like to hate them sometimes, too. But we need good lawyers. Um, Rachel here going to law school. We need some good conservative women lawyers, so don't rule that out. Some people will tell you, oh, don't do that. There's too many. There's not too many. There's not too many good conservative women lawyers. And I practiced bankruptcy law for about a year, but here I'd been in the policy debates for 12 years with President Reagan, and I got really enthusiastic and passionate about policy. So I decided instead of going and practicing law and making a lot of money, I would form a nonprofit group to focus on an area where 25 years ago we really were in need of focus, and that was uh, women. Not that we didn't have good conservative women, as I, I mentioned this morning, we've always had them, but we haven't always promoted them and celebrated and used them as role models for young women like you. So I founded this institute. Um, it took about First thing, you go into debt, be personal debt. You have to hire an attorney who incorporates you and then who goes to the IRS and gets your tax exemption. That's so that when people give you gifts, they get tax uh, advantages out of it. And it took me about eight months. Um, now it takes years sometimes because of the IRS bias against conservatives. Still, those people are still there, even with a good president. Um, so eight months for the IRS, and then I had to start to uh, develop um, people who were interested in supporting. So the first year, year of work was unpaid, and that's not at all uncommon in small businesses. That's when those credit cards come in, in handy, and you pay them off later. That's a good use of credit cards, assuming your business is successful. So I found a great board of directors, um, an essential legal requirement for a corporation, either for-profit or non-profit like ours. I tried working at home, I just couldn't focus, so I had to raise some money so I could get a little office, and I started to plan some programs and raise some funds. It was not easy, it was seven days a week, hours and hours and hours every day, and guess what? It still is a lot of the time. That's a small business. Um, and you can have all the great ideas in the world with a nonprofit, but if you don't raise the funds, you're not going to be able to do anything. Um, and we've been able, over 25 years, to put together a large and diverse group of wonderful men and women who really have a heart for you. They want young women in America who are conservative to be leaders for the future. And you might be surprised to know that most of our supporters are men or couples. We have very few women supporters, just women, who aren't part of a couple. And these wonderful people really do have a heart for you. Um, and they love that we celebrate and promote conservative women leaders. One thing I learned, and this is true in profit and nonprofit, is that relationship building is truly key to your success. You don't just talk to people when you want to sell a product or when you want to get a gift. You keep them well informed of all that you're doing with letters and reports, with newsletters, with calls, with visits, with written notes. And they're, they're very important in every aspect of business, relationship building. So it's really a lot of people. Think, oh, businesses, books and numbers and ledgers. People, people are really key. Um, there's also a temptation uh, for me, I have it every day, for the Luce Institute to get involved in many things. 
Uh, people ask me all the time, oh, won't you join us and support this legislation? Won't you come and be a co-sponsor of this conference, of this activity? One key to our success at the Institute, I think, over the 25 years is to keep our focus on young women using successful conservative women as role models to deepen everybody's understanding of conservative ideas, as well as stressing to you all how to be gracious and effective as spokeswomen for conservative ideas. It's not just knowing stuff, it's how you communicate it, and Rachel's panel was uh, really excellent on that, I thought. And another thing at the Institute, we don't claim to be something we're not. We don't lie about numbers. We don't say we do change the world in every aspect. We work with young women. We work with conservative women leaders. We keep our focus, and we just tell you what we do. Um, that's unique in some aspects. Now, one very important thing for most women students, uh, let me ask you all, and some of you know the answer to this, you've heard this before. What's the most important decision you young women will make in the next 50 years? Who knows? Yes. <laughs> yes? Yes, very important. <laughs> Who you pick to marry can really be key to your success in life, both professionally and personally. Now, you know, I'll give it to you. Occasionally, you can mess it up and get it right the second time. But don't. It's so much heartache. It's so much time, lost time. Get it right the first time. Find a husband who shares your values and will support you and help you in your professional aspirations, whether it's in business or whatever it is. It's really key. Love is not enough, ladies. Of course, you have to love. But, you know, you got to share values. you got to get along really well. you got to really like each other. You have to like to be with this person. So try to get that right. Call me if you want some help on that, okay? <laughs> I got it right. I'm amazed, but I did. And if you're blessed with children, if God blesses you with children, you'll need a husband who's committed to carrying his share of parenting. This is key to your professional success. Believe me, he's got to be willing to step up a lot more than well, certainly my father, my generation, and, and some of you as well. Now, another thing for me, the law school legal education. It's not mandatory in order for you to start a business, but I can tell you for me, it has been incredibly useful. Being an attorney, I mean, there's so much government intervention now from local, the zoners who come in and tell us we have to have a water cooler in our office, you know, the state mandates, the federal government taxes, the IRS other biased, busybody government bodies. And the law degree has really helped me with just the running of the corporation with so many laws and regulations and filing requirements. It's not mandatory, but I'm just telling you, it's helped me a lot. And let me tell you another key of advice generally. It's professionally, but it's, it's really for everything in life. Don't expect anything to be easy. Expect everything to be hard because it usually is. The big things in life, the things that really matter, the things that are really the most rewarding in your life, they're not easy, they're hard. So expect things to be hard. Then on the occasion when something easy comes, you can be totally delighted about it because it's, it's rare when it comes to the big things in life. But there's so many options open to you young women today professionally. You're truly blessed when you think back to Claire Booth Luce's time and there was only 10 women in the US Congress and for many of us, it turns out that what we study in school is not what we end up doing. So that's another piece of advice for you, those who are still early in college. Get a broad, well-rounded education, not too specialized. I know specialties are good. Well, engineering, you knew you were going to 
you were going to work in that, right, or no? no. <laughs> I mean, I studied psychology. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but my father insisted that I take the course where I had teacher certification when I was done um, because my dad said, if you have to work, now this is generational, of course, he said, if you have to work, you want to have a job where you can be home with your kids in the summer. And you know, Daddy was right about that. It would have been nice to be home in the summer. Teaching wasn't exactly my thing. But I had a really broad education um, so that I was able to shift. I came to Washington. I answered the phone for about a year. And then I moved into policy. I went to law school and all the other things that came later. But here's what you need to focus on in, in school. You need to learn to read very well and analyze what you read. You need to speak well. And all of you, after this session today, I know you're going to be better speakers. You need to learn to work with a team. You don't get to work alone in most things, like you go write your paper in school. That's not the world of work for the most part. For most of us, you work with a team, right, Jeannie? Right. <laughs> and uh, um, you work really hard, and you want to be in a place where your strengths are appreciated, where you can grow. Um, you got to work really hard. But if you find you're in a place where you're just, you're just not getting the kind of help or support that you need, move. Move. Don't stay in a place if you're not growing. I mean, it takes a while. The, the general rule is you go into a new job, it takes you a year to learn the job. So if you're a job jumping around, you're not as valuable. You want to go to a place that you really like, you want to stay there for a number of years, and then look around. And coming out of college, you know so much, but when you go into the work world, you're just the new kid. <laughs> And it's hard, especially if you've been running a chapter, you've been doing activist activities, you've been a leader, you've brought in lectures, and then you go and you work someplace, and it's like, uh, you're the new kid, you're the new kid. It's hard, it's a huge, it's a huge adjustment. So business is an exciting professional option. I know I went off a little from business, but I think it was probably good advice. And uh, I hope that uh, Julie and I's sort of different experiences are, are helpful to you. So maybe I'll stop there and we'll see if you have any questions for us. Oh, there's one. Thank you, ladies. Okay, hi, my name is Emily, and my question is actually for uh, Julia. Yeah, okay, um, so I'm actually gonna be an operations analyst, and I, I kind of have like a two-tiered question. First off, I was wondering, how do you think as a woman going into like the investment banking world, how can I, you know, I guess break through that frat-like culture <laughs> that there is within the office? Um, and then also, my other question for you about supply chain management. I just want to know your pers like personally, what do you think is the biggest um, like bottleneck for companies? And uh, also within their, within their supply chain management, and how is that inhibiting them to gain market share? So for the first question, I, I grew up playing sports, so I've always been really competitive. And you know, when I was looking at this, and it's women in business, and I, I'm a feminist, I, I mean, I guess, in probably the Antonio type of way, it's just never been an issue for me. I've always gone along well with, with men. Um, and I guess going into that environment, you're a woman in that environment, but you don't need special treatment. You're there. You're there to compete. You know, so. I had an interesting experience recently with um, an ex-sister-in-law, and the sister-in-law part doesn't really matter, but experts, it's a pretty male-dominated environment, right? So when you know, I was at a regional leadership meeting with kind of young leaders, and I was the only female in the room, but it never really, that never really bothers me because I'm not nervous to speak out, I don't have any issue, and I'm not there to make a case about um, 
about being a woman in that position, right? I'm there as a coworker. And that's really, I don't, I, that's how I think of myself. And for right or wrong, that's, that's my view. Um, and so I had um, this, this gal and she was in a presentations course. And in the presentations course, which teaches you to go out and speak, and one of the things it talks about how you should dress and how you should look, right? And one of the sections was you make sure you look nice, be confident, pearls help. Well, this, this lady, young lady, um, decided to take to Instagram and post about what a terrible company she works there. Her brother works there. Experts is, and this 1950s mindset needs to go. So I called her up, and I had this conversation. I said, why are you putting this on Instagram? First of all, I know everybody in the training department. They're wonderful. Most of them are women. There's no malice in this comment. And yes, if you're going to go speak and give a presentation, you want to dress well. You want to be confident. And I always think that is the worst part, is if you approach it that, hey, I'm your coworker, and I'm an equal, and I'm going to speak out, and I'm going to be confident, and I'm going to go be competitive. And sometimes you're going to rib and have jokes, and don't take offense easily. You know, Be there. Put your best foot forward. But don't, you know, just never be that person that's like, I am going to go take to Instagram and post about something that doesn't matter. Because at the same time, you're representing that company and you're representing that brand. And, you know, going to, I just, that is one thing that I also just caution is just going to social media and bashing the companies that you work for and you see it happen all the time and just don't ever do it. Unless it's something that, hey, I want to talk to my boss, I want to talk to another advocate within the organization, and I had that conversation, and there's really nothing that I can change, then go seek some outside help. But that is one thing that, going to that environment, again, I'm totally in a male-dominated environment, and I just don't ever approach it that way. I approach it as, I'm your, your equal, I'm your coworker, I'm super competitive, I will challenge you, I will talk about issues that I see with other young females, but I won't do this in a way to put you down in having those conversations. I'm wearing pearls tonight, by the way. Yes. Um, your second was supply chain and challenges. Um, supply chain is just changing dramatically right now, and a lot of it is the Amazon effect, is what we call it. It's the requirement that you have the freight, you have it right now, um, no disruptions, and supply chain is really, really challenging. Um, you look at what's happening right now with a lot of the hurricanes. It's really hard to get freight to places that the roads aren't working, the ports aren't working. You know, you looked at Puerto Rico and getting the freight from the actual port onto the land and the logistics and the roads, that is really, really challenging. Um, and so I think it's interesting because what I, what I see is that there's this Amazon effect of I want my freight there tomorrow. And when you talk about product that's moving, let's say from China, right? From Shanghai to Portland. I live in Portland, Oregon. And there are, 30 people that will touch that freight along the way. There'll be the export compliance teams, there'll be the ocean carriers, there'll be freight forwarders, there'll be import customs, there'll be local truckers, and there's so many steps along the way, and whether or not each of those is a bottleneck kind of varies, but there's just all these things and different issues that we deal with. Um, the US is actually a fairly easy place to import, export out of, um, but government agencies are usually, they're usually the holdup. Um, you know, I have a customer right now, and they import bamboo, and I don't know why they import bamboo, because it always is a huge pain to deal with, but it sits, it goes through fumigation two and a half weeks every single time, right? So looking at the government regulations um, and places that you import and export out of South America is really, really challenging. Um, so that's kind of what I see for, for bottlenecks. But the supply chain world is changing. 
How many of you have thought about starting a business? I'm just curious. Yeah. How many of your families have family businesses? Yeah. Well, you know from your mom and dad and your family how hard people work at small businesses and large businesses as well. But uh, it's a great option to have. And uh, I guess we're good, huh? I guess we're good. I have one question for Julia. What education track would you suggest for people to do something like you do? You know, I think that's hard because I had no idea what I wanted to do when I graduated from college. Um, and so I really, Michelle said, be open. And I think that's really, really key. Um, how I kind of ended up in supply chain is I, so I graduated with um, history and government double major with a focus on the Middle East and Asia. I was born in Japan and grew up in Hong Kong. And so I've always loved international world. I took Chinese all through college. Um, and then right after college, I taught English abroad. So I went and I got my Tesla license and I moved down to Buenos Aires with a friend. Then we moved to um, Valparaiso, Chile, and then we moved to Beijing and, and taught, taught English. And so it was a really incredible experience. So for me, I always knew I wanted to get in something international. And so I think, you know, figuring out just kind of generally what that passion is and then going from there. And so when I moved actually to get into where I am now, as, as little direction, I guess, as I had, is I wanted to work for a company large company that was international, that was headquartered in downtown Seattle because I had a lot of friends I wanted to be able to go to happy hour with. And I mean, that was as little as of kind of my thought process that I had. And I'm, I'm 10 years in and I've had, you know, I moved from Seattle to Portland. I didn't know anybody. I got put in this management program. Um, and I always just said yes to opportunities. Hey, we need somebody in Amsterdam for two months. Do you want to go? Yes, I'm in. Let's go do this. Do you want to go here? And I really think that just having that open mind and you know, some people, I have friends that said, hey, I want to be in an accountant. I'm like, that's great, you should be an accountant. And they went to school and they did that, but I would say of a lot of my friends and where they are, you know, I'd say 30% of them went to school specifically for what they're doing now. And so I really like the idea of being open, seeking new challenges and having new experiences and just kind of figuring out what that passion is. Great advice. Anyone else, any other questions? Right over here. Hi, thank you, Julia, for being here. Um, I actually co-own my own logistics company in Nevada. Um, I started it two years ago. My dad started it as a small courier company in 1991, and then I transitioned it into what is now logistics and supply chain management. Um, and my question for both of you is, what kind of resources and empowerment can we offer to women that want to start their own business, either right out of high school, right out of college, regardless of what it is that they want to start? And you know, I know that there's like um, the National Federation of Independent Businesses that will help women that want to start their own business. But what other resources and advice can can you offer? I don't know. I've never started a business. <laughs> um, uh, you need some time and money. You need some help, help, people to help you financially, whether it's your family or backers for your comp company. There are, NFIB does have uh, special things to help you. I mean, to me, one in 10 small businesses, only one in 10 succeeds. So you need a drive and a passion and a focus that surpasses anything you've ever imagined before, it seems to me, in order to be sec successful. I have that with Claire Booth Luce, um, but um, and it's a it's a, just a desire to be successful, to reach your goals, 
to sacrifice what, however you have to financially, you know, even your family. You've got to stay focused on it. Um, you know, and it's a lot of legal stuff. It's lawyers, it's court incorporation, it's government agencies, it's filing, um, it's harassment from OSHA. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> but the, the, joy, uh, the joy of having success with a small business, I think, is probably unsurpassed. Um, big business, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much, Julia and Michelle.